to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing wonderful. I am so glad. Anything new going on with you? No, I've just been had a super productive week and doing a lot of work, done a lot of brainstorming. And uh, my husband, I bought him a new game system that he's wanted forever. So I think I've probably shared before my husband, like, he needs me to keep him entertained. <laughs> Company. Uh-huh. My husband doesn't really have hobbies, so he looks to me to keep him, I don't know, to give him something to do, I guess. Yeah, when I give him chores, that's not his idea, something to do. Yeah. Oh, ditto with Chad. He's like, I don't have anything to do. I'm like, I've got a list. Here it is. He's like, what? No, no. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> stop complaining. <laughs> I know. I know. So the result of that is, is like everything I need to do gets pushed to the back burner until like he leaves for work. And then it's like, I do everything that I have to do. And then it's like seven o'clock at night and I'm tired and I don't want to do the rest of what I have to do. And I feel like I'm always behind. But um, I got him a new PlayStation. He's been asking for it for a very long time. And let me tell you, it's like, now I know why people shove digital devices in their kids' hands. <laughs> We are not recommending that, parents. (laughs) No, we're not. But I understand now. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he is entertaining himself. I can run around, do what I need to do. And it's been a great week so far. But it's so funny because he had to go to work at 1.30. At 1.15, he said, I haven't eaten anything today. And I said, why not? He's he's fasting. He's like, I don't know. I was just playing my game and I forgot to eat. And I'm like, oh, "Oh, gosh. gosh, that's such a teenage thing to do. Yeah, that is what it sounds like. That's too funny. So I'm sure I'll be running him dinner later tonight. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Well, now it is time for our weekly good news segment. Today, we have a heartwarming contribution from Shannon in Texas. She wrote, we moved our baby child, our caboose, our sweet girl, all the way from Texas to Kentucky in August, just months after she graduated high school, so that she could pursue her dream of becoming a professional ballerina. It was a huge expense moving across several states and completely setting up an apartment, even with buying secondhand furniture when we could. So when it came time for her first performance in October, we just couldn't justify the expense and were not able to attend. When her second production was set to go in November, I decided I could not miss another, so I booked a whirlwind trip. I would fly in on Friday, grab an Uber, stop for flowers, watch her show, spend the night at her place, and then fly back the next day. 
I planned out the whole surprise and only her roommate and one other of her friends knew. It was fantastic. When I arrived at the theater with the flowers, I was greeted by a theater volunteer and a security guard. We exchanged pleasantries and then I told them I had just arrived to town to surprise my daughter who was performing that evening. They asked her name and found her in the program. I asked if they were able to deliver the flowers directly to her with the attached cards. The security guard called his supervisor and they made it happen. In my card, I wrote, I can't wait to watch you dance tonight. I have missed you so much. P.S. I will need a ride back to your apartment after the show. I was told that when the gentleman delivered the flowers, she was so confused. She saw my handwriting, but she wasn't making the connection until she opened the card. She immediately called me and was so excited to know I was there. I am so grateful for the gentleman that helped me surprise her and also her friends who are fantastic surprise secret keepers. I had no expectations considering this was a performance weekend for her, but we were blessed to have some time to enjoy lunch and shopping before she drove me to the airport. My mama heart is full and I can't wait to see her again at Christmas. Oh, I love that story. That's a... Such a fun surprise for Shannon and her daughter. Yes, and I love the follow-up. Shannon is one of our VIP members and was in our last month's video chat, and she told us that she was going to be doing this. So I'm glad it all worked out great. It's like, I already knew this story. (laughs) but (laughs) Yeah, it is. Great story. And, you know, it's no joke being a professional ballerina. That is hard. Yeah, and I imagine when she said something about security, you know, you always see in movies where people like, you know. Stalking the ballerinas. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, they always show them like going to their dressing room door and bringing them flowers. In this day and age, I can guarantee you it does not work like that. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, Lord knows with all the stalkers and crazy stuff, they probably really just aren't allowed to you know, go contact the dancers before the show. Oh, I'm sure they're not. So I'm sure somebody did pull some strings for her. Well, that's a great story. So listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, we always take a minute to tell you about companies that make it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And today, again, I want to talk to you about jenstevens.com slash cleanish. We're right at the beginning of a new year just around the corner. Can you believe it, Sherry? No. By the time this comes out, it'll be December. I'm like, what is happening? To the year. I feel like it was just yesterday that we did several episodes on the book Cleanish. I know. And I mean, that was what, 10 months now? Yeah, it's been out for almost a year. And, you know, I know a lot of people got the book and it was very overwhelming and they didn't make the changes yet. So it's never too late to get started and every little change makes a difference. But if you have not yet read Cleanish, you can. Get a copy of that. You can find that link to jenstevens.com slash cleanish as well. Anywhere books are sold, you can find it. But, you know, I rely on things that make my life easier, such as, you know, organic meals from Green Chef, window openers from Daily Harvest, clean wines from Dry Farm Wine, the products that I use to clean my house, 
Branch Basics. I love Branch Basics or Beauty Counter for my makeup, skincare, shampoo, and conditioner. So if you're interested in making some changes in your life that are not hard to make, they're easy, they're actually going to make your life easier. You won't have to worry about what you're using. Go to jenstevens.com slash cleanish and find links to purchase cleanish as well as links with special offers to all of my favorite clean companies, Green Chef, Daily Harvest, Dry Farm Wines, Beauty Counter, and Branch Basics. Did I tell you that Chad cooked dinner for me? No. Using a completely, I had a meeting. He made a Green Chef meal like completely by himself. Awesome. I know. If Chad could do it, anybody can. That's so great. Yeah, he followed the recipe. The hardest part was literally like finding where I keep things in the kitchen. Well, if he does it a few times, like he'll learn. Pots and pans and yeah. I would think he's a chemist. I would think he would be a great cook. Or maybe a great baker. Maybe that's his hobby he doesn't know Well, I don't know. I don't know. But he's helping me make dinner, and I'm giving him instruction on, like, how to dice, you know, onions. Really? (laughs) For example. Oh, my gosh. He's like, how do I do it? I'm like, well, not like that. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, let's look at this. They all need to be the same size, as close to the same size as you can do it. (laughs) He's like, oh. When I have to do a lot of dicing, I just get my food chopper out and chop it all up. And they're not the same size, but they're small. My husband doesn't like onions, so it's especially helpful for onions because it makes them really small. Then he doesn't know I cook with onions. But onions are so good for you. They are so good for you, and they give everything such a good flavor. Oh, I have a funny story real quick about Beauty Counter. I went on vacation two weeks ago. And I took my little travel set of beauty counter, like shower stuff. It's like got what shampoo, conditioner, body wash, lotion. Does it have a little lotion? Yes, yeah. it does. Now, I have only used the body wash once, and that was at your house. And I really liked it. But I thought, okay, it's just body wash. Well, then I used it again in Colorado, and I really liked it. And then I came home and used my other clean body wash, and it's not the same. It's not as good as Beauty Counter. So guess what I just ordered? You ordered some body wash. (laughs) I sure did. Yeah, I love the body wash. I sure did. So, you know, I'm always late to the game, but eventually I get on board. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really enjoying the holiday eyeshadow in the pressed powder version. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to order that too. I really like it. I hope it's not just for the holidays. You told me that before. Yeah. Well, see, I just really like a powder eyeshadow. I don't want to use a cream. That's just, I don't know. So now it's time for our life lesson. And we had so much fun sharing everybody's hobbies and, you know, how they got started and what it brings to their life last week. And we had so many great contributions that we just couldn't get them all done in one week. So this is part two of last week's episode. And we have a lot more fun hobbies to share with you today. So let's start with Allison Salmond. Allison, if that's not how you pronounce your last name, I'm sorry. That is actually how my husband pronounces the fish. (laughs) Even down to the (laughs) D on the end. Salmond. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) I cannot convince him that the L is silent. She said, I play the bagpipes. I started as a child, then gave up for around 20 years when I had my first child. In the last few years, I've started back and I have joined a band. I did not realize how much I would come to realize that this has been the best decision I ever made. It all started again with my middle child starting to play the drum and us taking him along to practice. 
Fast forward three years, and I restarted playing bagpipes again, and now the whole family is involved. Our oldest and youngest play tenor drum, the middle played snare drum, and my husband now plays his big bass drum. We all go along to practice twice weekly, but we go off to our different sections. For us, all being involved in something as a whole family is fantastic, but also doing it individually is fantastic. For me, having something for myself and seeing improvement is huge for me. I'm not just a wife and mom anymore. As the children get older and go off to make their way in the world, knowing we are engaged in something we love and involved in a really supportive and active band as a family is so important. My mom never did anything for herself and as a result struggles in older age, saying that I think she has been inspired and has taken up the piano again after an incredibly long time. I understand the bagpipes are not a hobby many will be inspired by, but having a passion and a focus as life moves on is so hugely important in my opinion. And I think the lesson is not take up the bagpipes. (laughs) right? I don't know that that would be an easy thing to pick up from scratch. Maybe it would be a great thing to learn from scratch. But think about something that you used to do and that you loved doing a long time ago. Like for Allison, it was the bagpipes. She loved it. Then she quit doing it. And now she's like, you know what? I'm going to pick that back up again. And it's bringing her joy. I think we could all think about things that we enjoy doing as children. I've always said, I hate that I put down the flute. And somewhere along the line in multiple moves, I've lost my two flutes. If I could go back and pick something back up from my youth, it would be, I would pick a flute back up and start playing again. Yeah, I think Will will probably pick up the trombone again. He was such an amazing trombone player. And he has a plastic one now. It's called a P-bone. <laughs> I got it for him one year for Christmas. Because, you know, a nice trombone is like, you know, thousands of dollars. But the, the plastic, the P-bone, is like, I don't know, 120 or something? I can't even remember. And the sound is not terrible. But you can play it just like you played a regular trombone. What did he do with his original trombone? He sold it on eBay when he went off to college. He's like, I'm never going to play the trombone again. I'm like, it's your trombone you're going to regret it. And he's like, I won't. I'm like, okay. Well. It was his trombone. Time will tell. Yeah, it will. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Haley Wilson from Owasso, Oklahoma says, my favorite hobby is singing. I belong to an all-female group called the Talk of Tulsa Show Chorus, and we're a four-part acapella with no background instruments, Sweet Adeline's Chorus. I found this chorus on Facebook and they had open auditions, so I tried out. This is a wonderful group of women from all walks of life that devote every Monday night to singing. We not only get to put on a large show, but we compete all over the United States in competitions with other choruses. It's a great way to meet new people and do something you love. To get started, you could Google Sweet Adeline's Chorus near me or check out the official website, www.sweetadelines.com. That's fun. And you and I know somebody from Owasso, Oklahoma. Do we? Monette. Oh, okay. Small world. That is a small world. Because it's a small town. I bet it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Melanie said her favorite hobby is hot vinyasa yoga. And she began about nine years ago. She wrote, I'm not an athletic person. I joined a new gym and I thought I'd give it a try because it was different from what I'd been doing. Never in my life did I think I'd still be going twice a week. 
It is the only exercise in which my brain can't think about to-do lists. I'm so busy trying to breathe properly and remember the next posture that my brain rests during the hour of intense exercise. The heat combined with the postures makes for a great restorative workout. I feel so energized afterwards and my flexibility and balance have improved immensely along with my body shape. Having to remember the next posture in the series of the flow is also good for our brains. To get started, I would Google hot yoga in your area. If you have a lifetime fitness nearby, they tend to have a great yoga schedule throughout the week. If hot yoga isn't your thing, just try regular yoga. There are so many types that are amazing. Now, Shira, your dog is barking like crazy. I'm just saying this so the listeners will know that is your dog in the background. very whiny today. (laughs) I don't know. You know, she used to be so good when we recorded, and then she went away to training for a month, and she came back, and now... Like, I don't know, she has separation anxiety or something. Oh, gosh. So, everyone, we have a special guest today, and it's Lulu. It's Lulu crying in the background. I even put a big fan in front of her, thinking, like, she couldn't hear the other dogs or hear us, and maybe she would just take a nap. But She's like, Mama, Mama. Apparently, that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Ellie made many appearances on the Intermittent Fasting Podcast back in the day when I recorded in the office where the cat door was, and she would come in bringing stuff. And start crying like lizards, (laughs) dropping them at my feet while I'm recording. Exactly. (laughs) She would be happy to lay on the bed in here with me. But the minute, like, a truck drove by, she would start barking and she would go crazy. So she can't do that. She can't be part of the podcast. Well, she's going to do her best today. (laughs) I just thought I'd say the elephant in the room or should I say the Lulu in the room? (laughs) All right. So Deborah Mack says, I've been a puzzler all my life. Fond memories of doing puzzles with my mom. I love that. I don't know if that's a typo. I just said it like she said it. A puzzler all my life. I said it with like an accent. You did say it with an accent. I loved how you slipped into that accent. Well, because that's how it was written. (laughs) I've been a puzzler all my life. Anyway, she might have meant my, but I like it all my life better. So she says, fond memories of doing puzzles with my mom. I missed the school bus at least once due to needing to find one more piece. Oh, I get it. I'm that kind of person, Sherry. If I'm in the middle of doing something, I don't want to stop doing it. So um, she said, fast forward to adulthood, mom of three, ages six to newborn. My dad thought it would be a great challenge to give me a 6,000 piece puzzle for my birthday. My husband got me a piece of plywood, and I got started sitting on the floor. But between kids and cats and no safe place to work it, I gave up. Put it back in the box on a shelf. It moved around for 28 years. Every so often, I would suggest to my husband that I needed a puzzle table with a lid. He brushed it off. In late 2020, he was running out of projects, so he made me a puzzle table with a lid large enough to fit a 4 by 5 foot puzzle. I got started on February 10th of 2021 and completed it October 15th of 2022. Oh my gosh. Can you even imagine? 6,000. I know. I'm like amazed. She said, I had a lot of help. Several close friends and my kids would work it with me. I scheduled a completion party for yesterday and about eight of us finished off the last 192 pieces. We celebrated with a party. Amazingly, only three pieces were missing. My husband and I have plans to fill them in so we can frame and hang it. Not doing this puzzle again. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine how mad I would be if I got there were three at the end that were missing. I feel like that always happens to us. And, but I mean, you know, she had it for 28 years. So that is really amazing. 
I wonder how hard that puzzle was, like what the pieces were like. I don't know. She said, I just find doing puzzles mostly relaxing while giving a sense of accomplishment. Yet I can put it away or give it away. I've done some puzzle swapping, a fun way to get new puzzles without growing the collection. I do glue and frame very special puzzles, but not most of them. I enjoy having a holiday puzzle sitting out for holiday gatherings. It's a great thing to do while talking together or listening to a book enjoying the snow outside, etc. To get started, start small. Start with a puzzle with clear, simple objects. I almost always do the frame, straight-edged pieces first. That gives me the size and some clues where other pieces go. Me too. I do the same thing. I always do that as well. I separate those all out first. All the ones with the straight edges go in the corners. And, you know, there are four of those. <laughs> so you can figure those the out. The worst is when you get one that you think is straight and then you can't find a place for it. And then you finally realize it's not really a straight edge. Not as straight as you <laughs> thought it was. <laughs> so she said, invest in a puzzle tray. There are cardboard ones that are reasonably priced and work well. They store under the couch or bed. The roll-up ones do not work as well. My dream is the gaming table. Think poker table or puzzle specific. The puzzle is inside, and with the lid, you have a usable table. I didn't know it until recently, but there's also puzzle competitions. It might be fun. Though watching the snow fall outside my window while sipping hot cocoa is my favorite way to work a puzzle. I also do scrapbooking, just good enough, costume sewing, painting, and drawing. We have seven kids, 36 through 14, and I homeschooled them K through 12, and that took up a lot of my time, but also gave me a lot of creative opportunities. My next big project is a historical fiction novel based on my ancestors of Boston, Massachusetts, covering the years 1774 to 1776. I started working on it in the fall of 2019, but I've taken many breaks, including most of this year, so maybe next year. Yeah, I think puzzles are a lot of fun. So it sounds like she's into genealogy as well. I just don't really have anywhere to work a puzzle right now. I don't either. And with cats, it's tricky. For a while, Eric was into puzzles, and he had a little puzzle table that he would sit at and work him. But we lived in a house that had a giant great room addition to it, and so we could just set it over the side, and he could work on it and watch TV. We just don't have a place for it in this house. Yeah, I got out of the habit of doing it when we moved to the house in Augusta that most recently left because I didn't have a place. I guess I could have done it on the dining room table, but I don't know. But like the main dining room table, I don't, it just didn't seem right. Anyway, also cats. They knock them around. I'm sure they do. They're bad. They get up there. And then there's pieces on the floor. And anyway, but now I'm like inspired to do more puzzles. Well, it's going to be a cold winter on the beach so (laughs) that might be a great little hobby for you and chad to do maybe so so karina from western new york wrote i am fortunate to have a lot of hobbies my high school had lots of classes to enrich not just academics and i was introduced to music painting jewelry making ceramics scuba diving it was the 70s public school and i am eternally grateful i do think that we have gotten away from doing so much of the arts electives because we're so focused on test scores. And You're right. My boys went to a fine arts magnet school, so they were lucky. That was built into the day. They got to choose you know, their arts that they wanted to do. But I remember taking photography in high school, like going into the dark room. Did y'all have a dark room? Yep, we had photography in high school. And developing the photos. You're, now, I guess, I don't know if you still do that do you I, well i don't know that's a good question <laughs> do people still use film cameras at all ever but it was so cool to do that it was like 
I mean, like, I remember those memories. And we had drama classes and so much fun. Yeah, we had jewelry making and all sorts of fun classes at our high school. She said, my current activities and hobbies include training my dogs. One of them is trained in nose work, a dog sport involving scents and hides. The other is a well-trained obedience dog. I started my interest in dog training as an enrichment for my German Shepherds, and it's been wonderful. I don't compete. I just enjoy the activities with them. There are a lot of great books on dog training and some really fantastic online training courses as well. I also love to garden. From flowers to vegetables, I love getting my hands in the dirt. It all started 40 years ago with a pot of geraniums on my apartment balcony. Then it became pots of tomatoes and peppers. I now have a small but very prolific veggie garden. If you don't have a balcony or yard, look for public gardening plots. They have popped up everywhere. I also enjoy stained glass, metal clay, miniatures, and working with resin, and I recently took up watercolor painting again after 35 years. My motto, everyone has artistic ability, but we need to change our paradigm as to what it is. Do you set a beautiful table, put flowers in your bathroom, bake and decorate cakes or cookies? Do you put a wreath on your door? Do you have a keen sense of color for dressing? These are just a few examples of artistic abilities that we don't usually think of as such. If you are not sure where to start, you can look at YouTube videos, take an online class, or purchase a kit. Museums often offer classes as well as local school districts. There are lots of craft and art kits on the market, painting, assembling miniatures, I'm currently working in a sushi shop, felting, and so much more. You know, sushi is kind of an art, sushi making. Well, it is, yeah. (laughs) She said, I love all the hobbies and activities I engage in. When I am creating, planting, or working with my dogs, I'm able to lose myself and quiet my very active mind. It doesn't matter what the end result looks like. It's usually a lot better than we give ourselves credit for. It is the process that gives us joy. The end result is just the cherry on the sundae. Yeah, you know, a lot of universities have, what do they call them? Continuing education, I think is what it's called, that they'll have the classes that are for adults to learn different things like that. And there are a lot of them are hobbies. I took flower arranging with some friends when I lived in Carrollton, a bunch of teachers and I, we went and took flower arranging. And I always had like an eye for it. Like I was good at it. My grandmother was great at flower arranging. But there were just a few tricks that I learned from this class that I, I didn't know, like just a few little tricks. And then I was a better flower arranger after that. And it was so much fun. You like would pay a certain amount and then you got the flowers and everyone was supposed to be arranging them in a certain way. And I always did whatever I wanted. (laughs) Does that surprise you? Not at all. Everyone's would be exactly the same and mine was completely different. I kind of laughed when she say arrange flowers in your bathroom or something. If I get a bouquet of flowers from my husband, that is where my flowers always go on my bathroom counter. Well, because you can see them when you're getting ready. I see them throughout the day and I see them while I'm getting ready and... It's humid in there. It helps them live longer. Yeah, I like them to be where I can enjoy them, so I totally understand that. So Pam says, I have a bunch of hobbies and art styles that I enjoy. Recently, I've been taking part in Inktober, a daily sketching event that takes place annually in October. I've also been tinkering with a dollhouse remodel. I make stuffed zombie and monster dolls that I sell, and at this time of year, I make and sell Christmas ornaments with tiny cars. If you're looking to try something new art-wise or any hobby-wise for that matter, YouTube is a vast and helpful resource. My advice is don't compare your art or hobbies with any other creations. Do the art for yourself first and have fun with it. 
If it comes from your heart, it will be beautiful. And I know this pan. I was going to say, I know who she is. We know. And I've seen her stuffed zombie dolls. I saw one yesterday, I think it was. She had someone in the community. She had made them someone else's likenesses for friends as a gift, and they were great. And she's going to be a guest on our podcast next week. Oh, that's true. (laughs) This next week, isn't it? (laughs) So you guys will all know Pam next week. Awesome. So Cynthia in New Hampshire, she wrote, I love gardening and knitting. YouTube is the best resource I have found for improving success and technique with both of these. Also, yarn shops and libraries often have knitting circles. I've never been to one, but I'm sure people there would be happy to teach. I would also look to the local school system or recreation department, as they often offer adult ed classes where you can learn a new hobby and meet people who have the same interests. I took a digital SLR class at my local high school that was very helpful. And, you know, I don't know about here where I live now, but where I grew up, our Parks and Rec would send out a big catalog every year and it was full of classes you could take arts theater i mean all sorts of things for kids and adults and then my mom we had the i don't know she called it the extension office i don't know what the extension office was but they had a lot of classes like domestic classes on gardening and arts cooking that sort of thing i think it's called the life extension Maybe. Well, there's something, the cooperative extension, it makes me think of like 4-H and like the universities that have the extensions. Like I know they do a lot of gardening stuff. So yeah, there are resources everywhere. There's a lot of resources we just don't know about that are out there. And they're probably like just sitting around waiting for you to show up to use them. All right. Corey in California says, I am a fiber arts enthusiast, which is a fancy way of saying I love to play with yarn. Like you can literally, like when Will went to SCAD for a year and a quarter, you can like major in fiber arts. Really? Yes. (laughs) Or fibers. You're majoring in fibers. I'm like, that's so interesting. (laughs) Highly niche. Are these people who like create one-of-a-kind fabrics? I don't really know what it means to... (laughs) I don't know, but I know you could do it. So she said, I began crocheting when I was in fifth grade, just a few scarves for gifts, but I picked up the hobby again in 2012. I was looking for a way to keep my hands busy, and it turns out that I have a talent for this craft, and there's always something new to learn, which I love. I was lucky to have moms, mom and mother-in-law, who crochet, so they taught me the basics, but when I didn't want to bother them, I turned to YouTube and taught myself a lot through online tutorials, both video and written. I began to teach myself to knit as well, but I'm not as skilled at it, but I will keep trying and learning. One of my favorite sites for patterns is called Ravelry.com, and that's spelled R-A-V-E-L-R-Y. And she says you can filter the patterns by a myriad of options, such as skill level and type of yarn you want to use. There are many free and wonderful beginner patterns out there that creators are generous enough to share as well. Crochet has definitely kept my hands busy and my mind sane. If you've ever been curious and wondered if you could do crochet, I'm here to encourage you and cheer you on. Yes, you absolutely can. And, you know, I'm noticing something over and over that we're hearing. We're about to see it in the next one as well. People keep saying how much YouTube is helping them. That is what Will is doing. Will is learning to paint. Following YouTube tutorials? Yes. He spends a lot of time watching different 
tutorials on YouTube because you, you know, you learn the different, I don't know, techniques, right? And we're no longer at the point, like education is out there. You used to have to go somewhere and find someone and it was whoever was around you, but not anymore. You're not limited. Yeah. Well, I think I mentioned a couple episodes, last episode, maybe my husband, when he is going to fix something or whatever. He turns to YouTube and he studies up on it. He watches several different videos. So it's a great resource. So Daryl in Alaska, she has started to cross stitch. She said, I got started from a friend when my son needed therapy and I would be waiting for him. There are many different themes, anywhere from ornaments to large wall hangings. There are Facebook groups for beginners and also YouTube. I enjoy it because I can pick it up and put it down easily. I have a basket where I keep my current project under the table in the living room. It's easy to take places so I can cross-stitch while waiting. Have you ever cross-stitched? My mother tried to get me to cross-stitch when I was young. My mother wanted me to do all that like handiwork stuff. It's not me. That was really big when I was young. Like my mom was doing, she was doing like cruel. Do you remember C-R-E-W-E-L? And candle wicking. Yes. Do you know what that is? I do know what that is. you tie the little knots. Little knots. Yes. Yeah. And I, yeah, no, I don't even sew buttons on when they fall off pants. <laughs> like, it is so not my thing. Oh, I'm good at sewing on buttons. But... I purposely got kicked out of clothing class in seventh grade so I could take wood shop. Oh, my gosh. I took home ec for a year, a whole year, and I had to make a skirt with a zipper. <laughs> It was a year where I was growing really quickly. And so like by the time it was we were done making the skirt, I outgrew it. <laughs> Zippers are hard. But I mean, I was tiny. It wasn't like I was gaining weight, but I grew enough from the time I started till the time I was done that the skirt didn't fit. Or I could have been user error, which is likely, but I not a lot of satisfaction there, huh? When you can't wear what you made. No. And it probably was not very good. <laughs> All right. Rebecca in Germany said, I have had many hobbies through the years, but right now quilting consumes me. Several years ago, I took a class on basic hand quilting, which was very helpful, but I didn't do much with it. Later, I got into quilting by sewing machine and took a class at a quilt shop where I met a new friend who invited me to her quilting group. We meet monthly and the ladies have taught me many things as well as becoming dear friends. Now I make quilts for every baby that arrives in our family as well as quilts just to give to special loved ones. My mother's a big quilter. Oh, is she? Yes. One thing that she did, I'm really proud of her for doing, is she made a bunch of little kid quilts. And I don't know how many, maybe 40 or more. And she sent them to the Ukraine for kids. Oh, yeah, that was nice. So Darlene from the Bay Area in Northern California says, pickleball, here's pickleball back again. She says, I never played sports or considered myself even athletic. But like many people, a friend introduced me to pickleball during the pandemic. To my surprise, I did not suck the first time I played. We have a regular foursome once a week and a group of about 12 women who can rotate in or play random other days when we can get a court. We are all around the same age within 10 years of each other. I'm 63 and getting ready to retire. It is social for us. It's not too competitive. We've taken a few lessons together and enjoy seeing each other improve over the last 18 months. I am proud of myself for taking on something outside my comfort zone and sticking with it. It's so fun to be outside with women, getting exercise, and having fun. Try it and see what the craze is all about. There you go. So that's two weeks in a row we've heard people talk about pickleball. So you know that that's, 
that's the signal you need to go try it. Have you have you tried it, Sherry? Now I have not. There is a big church down the street that does pickleball once a week, and maybe one day I'll venture up there. All right, Carol from Greeley, Colorado. If you love the water, you will love paddle boarding. I can stand and get a good workout. I can sit and look at all the beauty around me. I can lay down and just meditate and let the waves carry me. I can even call a friend and have a fun afternoon on the water with them or ask my spouse. There are many neighborhood lakes that are recreational in our area that offer paddle boards for rent. Check your area. If you like it, buy one. It's well worth the investment. If you think you're too old, you are not. I'm 63. I know several people in their 70s who enjoy paddleboarding as well. Just do it. Have you ever done paddleboarding? I have not. Me neither. I just bought a new kayak, and I really was trying to decide between a new kayak and a paddleboard. It's great for balance. It, your pa- your kayak is like fold up or something. Oh my gosh! So yes, fo- you guys, cra- I got this crazy is it new origami. Is that the name of it? The company's called Oru O R U, but it's like an origami kayak. They were on Shark Tank, were they? Yes, because I love Shark Tank. Well, so much. I know they started as a, what do you call it when people like send in money crowdfunding. Yeah, it was like a crowdsource type thing. Yeah. Anyway, I did not know they existed. And my husband found them. And one of the reasons I don't kayak as much as I would love to is it's hard to like transport a 12 foot kayak by yourself. I mean, like I have a truck, I can get it. But I mean, it's heavy. And then you have to get it from the truck to the water. And then I have to like store it. And so it's like, I love to kayak, but it's not something I do alone, because it's just something I need help with. I hate to say that, but that's the truth. And so I started reading about these origami kayaks and I saw people who were in their 60s and 70s who were like, I finally can go out and kayak and I don't need to wait for my son to take me and I don't have to wait for the neighbor to help me load it and unload it from my car. And like, it's bringing back independence to people who couldn't manage a full-size kayak. So I... Got a really good deal on one. They were having 20% off sale on this website, and um, I took advantage of it, and it came, and I'm really excited. I'm waiting for a warm day because I want to go put it in the water. Have you put it together yet? I haven't. Well, you'll have to let me know because, you know, I love to kayak too. Yeah, I bought a backpack that it goes into where you can carry it on your back. So as soon as we get, we've had a really cold snap right now, but as soon as we get kind of a warm day, I'm going to go put it out in the water just as a little test paddle. Okay. Well, you'll have to let me know. Yeah. So Teresa Reed from, oh, Atasacita? Atasacita? Texas. Atasacita. I don't know. (laughs) I've never heard of this town before. She said, a year ago, I saw an invitation to a pop-up paint party from Jen's Den Art in my email. I thought Jen Stevens had a side job. I've always wanted to learn to paint, so I thought I would support Jen at the same time, and I signed up. Then the welcome email and instructions for the live class came in my email. The picture was not of Jen Stevens, but of (laughs) Jen LaCour. Yeah, I'm not doing any art. (laughs) That's such a fun story already. I was upset. I had already paid, so I decided to just participate. Let me tell you, it has changed my life. Oh, I'm so glad. Wrong Jen, still amazing. <laughs> I never perceived myself as creative in any way, but Jen LaCour, like Jen Stevens, is a retired teacher and self-taught artist. My Christmas snowman turned out so cute, and I was so proud of myself. I painted another one for a Christmas present. Fast forward, and a year later, I have joined 
Jen's mini tribe and I have painted more than 10 paintings. It is so fun and relaxing. I have found something that brings me such joy. I love that. All right, Jara from Memphis says, after three and a half years of intermittent fasting, I still enjoy cooking, gardening, and keeping up with seven grands. I've been cooking since the seventh grade and gardening, not many years after that. My mom and my grandmother were the instigators and encouragers. Everyone can learn to cook, and you don't need more than a few pots in the yard or a spot in your local community garden raised bed, like I do here in Memphis, to garden. Teaching any and all of my grands how to cook and garden has been very important to me to continue traditions passed on to me from my grandmothers and my mother. I think that really is important. We do need to pass down cooking traditions. Yeah, somebody just asked in the Facebook community, where are all of the people who baked pies and, you know, taught crocheting to the younger generation. She's like, where are all these people? She's like, am I just not seeing them in my community or have we lost this art? So yeah, I think passing those things down, even if you don't have grandkids per se to, you know, your neighbors or coworkers. So Claire at Tiny Handmade Dolls says, my favorite hobby is miniatures. I've loved tiny things ever since I was little, but I have started making miniatures a lot more in recent years. You can adapt this hobby to how confident you are at being creative. You can start with a ready-made kit that has step-by-step -step instructions, or you can adapt a kit to suit your own tastes, or you can build everything from scratch any way you like. Miniature styles can be anything, including vintage antique, modern farmhouse, or purely imaginary. Miniatures are very popular now, and there are miniatures competitions on TV shows. There are YouTube tutorials and lots of inspiration on Instagram. Miniatures come in lots of scales. In my opinion, the tinier, the better. Yeah, I loved miniatures when I was little. I had a dollhouse. I loved to decorate it. I bought this little wallpaper book and put wallpaper in it. It was so much fun. <laughs> Made things for them. <laughs> Uh, Mary from the Pacific Northwest says, there are definitely some drawbacks to modern technology, but there are so many pluses. I'm lucky to have learned to knit and sew when I was young, and I love to read and garden, but I wanted to share a little one that I'm coming across now that I hadn't really thought of. I haven't taken it up seriously yet, but wanted to mention it in case you thought it was interesting enough to share. And we do, Mary. She said, I have four teenagers and a younger child, too, and I've put my older four through piano lessons, and they all took up playing various instruments and band to different extents. I have often thought of myself as living vicariously through them, since I never had the opportunity to take piano or play in school bands as a kid. It seems to be a fairly known fact that learning to play music and learning foreign languages are especially good for keeping our brains young. With this knowledge, I recently thought of looking into playing a recorder. Most of us think of it as an instrument that children play a little on in early band or elementary school. I have since come to learn that it is a serious instrument and very accessible with all of the resources out there. With some easy Googling, one can find the American Recorder Society and learn of Boku resources, including free virtual beginner lessons and instructional videos on YouTube, along with the best recorders to buy with great sound comparisons. It turns out you can get a really good start with a high-quality plastic recorder for $40 or less. Oh, that's fun. I Actually, that reminds me of a meme I just saw recently that said something about, 
I'm so disappointed to have learned that I never needed to learn how to use a play recorder or something. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me think when Will was going through social, which is something they have in Augusta, it's like a cotillion kind of a thing, but they call it social in Augusta. And they start off in, I don't know, like sixth grade, seventh grade, whatever. And he, you have a partner, like the people partner up from like elementary school on. They're like, you're going to be my social partner. It's like a big social thing. Anyway, Will and his partner at social, they're doing all these dances. And one time, Chad and I were going out dancing with some friends at like a place that played country music. And Will said, are y'all going to do the Foxtrot? <laughs> and I said, well, people don't do the foxtrot. He said, why am I learning it then? <laughs> oh, that's funny. He thought like, yeah, that was an important skill. You're going to have to grow up and do the foxtrot. Wow. I know. It was hilarious. I have never learned a foxtrot. <laughs> well, I don't know the foxtrot either. But they had like, you would go to James Brown Arena in Augusta and watch these children dance. I mean, like the whole entire arena was full of parents and family members in the stands, and the children were down there in their formal dresses and the boys in their suits and dancing, like hundreds of them. And then the white dresses, you know, the cotillion girls would come out, and all of them had on their different white dresses with their partner. That's like the oldest group. But I do think dancing is a last lost art. Well, it was funny. Will was very disappointed that we did not know Foxtrot. <laughs> Tell Will that when he becomes a famous musician or artist, then he can go on Dancing with the Stars and he can Foxtrot. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So Beth from Sweetwater, she said, I've had many hobbies over the years, but my most recent hobby after I retired is making cold processed soap. I love using it. And when my friend stopped making it, she recommended that I learn how. So she helped me get started. She recommended starting with a few soap making kits from Brambleberry to get comfortable. And off I went. Now I have to sell it so I can make more. So I have been going to farmer's markets and festivals. It keeps me busy, and I have met some wonderful people. Every time I make something that's good, Chad says, you could sell this at a farmer's market. Oh <laughs> I'm like, you can. I'm not going to sell things <laughs> at farmer's market. Like, I have a lot of time to go sell things at farmer's markets. Anyway, that just made me think about that. I made homemade pita bread, and he's like, you should sell this at a market. And like, I'm not making pita bread for people to buy. Anyway, but making soap does sound a little more like something you would sell to farmers. Lulu's dog trainer has goats and she actually makes goat milk soap. And she does go to a lot of farmers markets and sell it. And I need to get some from her. Yeah. See, I think that would be fun. Maybe Chad should sell something at a farmer's market. There you go. He needs to find his niche. I agree. All right. Jane from Scotland. Oh, and he's a chemist. He could make soap. Yeah. Or something. Mm. Or how about like non-toxic candles with essential oils in them? There, Ooh, that would be good. All right, Jane from Scotland. It may sound ridiculous, but I love my daily exercise. If you'd have said that two years ago, I would have laughed out loud. In lockdown, I was working from home, sitting at my computer all day and constantly eating. I piled a lot of weight on and I decided I really needed to do something. I started trying to eat healthily and looked for some form of exercise I could do that I enjoyed. I tried a bit of online Zumba, which was great, but then I came across a guy called Rick Bueller. It's spelled B-H-U-L-L-A-R. His indoor walking workouts were so much fun, I started doing one daily. My movement improved and my mood was so much better. 
I've now added more resistance and strength type training, but still include some of his fun walking workouts most days. I'll be 63 next month, and with my new intermittent fasting lifestyle and my daily dose of feel-good movement, I can't believe I'm the same person as I was in May of 2020. I actually look forward to my exercise every day. It's my time for me, and I love it. If you fancy doing some fun walking or dancing type movement, low impact and great music, you can try some of Rick's workouts on YouTube free of charge. Look up Get Fit with Rick. Kate from Pensacola, Florida. She said, playing music with a group definitely keeps me going. Learning new skills keeps one's brains active. About seven years ago, I took a leisure learning course through our local university on learning how to play the recorder. Again. (laughs) And I just loved it. After a few months of daily practice, I was invited to join a group, Pensacola Early Music Consort, and we play twice a week, all year round. We have a leader, but we all contribute. Playing the recorder is easy to learn, but challenging to master. We play music from the 13th century to the 20th and give concerts for the community about four times a year. Playing music with a group of friends is joyful, and I plan my schedule around rehearsals. I'm in my 70s, and I hope to keep playing for a very long time. I love that. All right. Jess Russell says, I make soul-filling personal word art called truth cards. They are basically cut-and-paste collage with words that give you a little personal pep talk. They are just for me, although occasionally I am prompted to make a bunch and hand them out to random strangers. That's fun. That is fun. There's so many things you can do. And really, I love all the creativity. Yeah, not deciding something's not for you before you actually try it. Exactly. And a lot of these people that shared their hobbies, they came to them later. You know, we all have had our our time. That's what Chad's struggling with right now. You've heard me say this before. You know, he's retired and didn't go back to work for the first time, although he is going to be teaching one lab a week after January at Coastal Carolina, but that's not going to fill his time. So he's like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, there's stuff you can do. I promise. Maybe he should play the recorder (laughs) (laughs) or make soap or make candles or something. There's so much he can do. I think he has to have faith in himself. I think you're right. He's stuck in that fixed mindset of he's, if he doesn't know how to already do it, he can't do it. And so we had a big talk about that yesterday. And he's like, well, there's nothing to do here. If I was in Augusta, there would be a lot to do. I'm like, there is not one thing you can do in Augusta that you can't do here. Right. Like, can you think of a single thing you could do in Augusta that you can't do at the beach? I can think of more things you can do there than you could do in Augusta. I agree. We just got to find them. Well, before we get to the listener-led lesson this week, I just want to take a minute to invite you to the Life Lessons VIP community on Circle. There you can interact with Jen and I if you choose. It's a private online community. You can also connect with other listeners and community members and get to know them as well. Each month, I host a monthly video chat where we can just connect and talk and get to know each other. You can join us in this new VIP community by going to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP. You simply choose your monthly membership contribution of either $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Just choose the option that feels like the right value to you. If you truly get value from our podcast each week, we would hope that you would be willing to choose a higher package in order to help support the work we do on the podcast and the costs associated with it. All right, now it's time for our listener-led lesson, and today's listener-led lesson comes from Yvonne in Williamsburg. She would like to share a blog with the listeners called 
ProfessorLooks.com. That's Professor Looks spelled L-U-C-H-S. It looks like luck, but with an H. Professor L-U-C-H-S dot com. So Professor Looks is a marketing professor who has had a blog dedicated to consumer wisdom. There you can learn why it's in your best interest to care about consumer wisdom, including learning if you are currently a wise consumer. This includes a survey you can take to assess where you are. He introduces what he calls the six dimensions of consumer wisdom, explains the five most common types of consumers, and helps you develop a simple plan for change. He provides all this information for free for the reader. And in these times of economic uncertainty, this is something that can be really helpful for everybody to explore and share with others in their life. You know, and not everyone has good economic sense, Sherry. Do you know what Will does that is like the dumbest thing in the world? No. ATMs. Oh. He'll just go to any any ATM. And pay the fees. Yes. And you pay a fee to that ATM, and then you pay a fee to your bank. Like $3.50. And I'm like, you just threw money in the garbage. My husband does that. Why would you do that? Drives me insane. I don't even understand what's wrong with people that would do that. Why? I don't know. I'm like, at least go into the grocery store and get cash back. Buy a bottle of water. I mean, we bank at Wells Fargo, and it is like there's one everywhere you turn, right? Mm-hmm. Or Will's bank. We have bank. That's not our only bank. But Will, Will banks at Wells Fargo. There's one everywhere you go. Right. That's called not being prepared. <laughs> or just being too lazy to go another block or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's my husband. <laughs> Or, you know, I'll be like, do you need money for Avery's football game this weekend? And he'll be like, no, I think I have some. And so I'm like, okay, so I don't get him any money. And then he's like, oh, I didn't have any money. I had to go to the ATM, which turns his, like, $5 football game into a $12 football game. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, everyone. That's my economic tip for today. Well, at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote comes from Jackie Pearson, when I was an intern working for my hours to get licensed as a marriage family therapist, one of my colleagues posted a wonderful phrase on his office wall. It was this, healing comes when we give up hope for a different past. That so fits my past as I grew up in a divorced alcoholic family. Thus, I played the victim in relationships. My therapist helped me to stop doing that and it changed my life. Give up hope for a different past. I mean, yeah, your past is what it is. You can't change it. You can only learn from it and move forward. Oh, my gosh. That just, I'm going to copy and paste that and send that to Chad. You know, that's that. we had a whole talk about that this morning as well. He's like, we should have done this. We should have done that. We should. And I'm like, you can't change the past. That is such a good phrase. Healing comes when we give up hope for a different past. You can't have a different past. No. All you can do is make the best of it moving forward. Yep, and move forward. Yep. All right, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to join us in the Life Lessons VIP community. Go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to be a VIP podcast supporter for either $4.99 or $9.99 a month. Your support ensures that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons podcast each week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And we would also love for you to leave us a five-star review. That really helps us reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you would like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? 
Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.